Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth earth, peace to people of goodwill. goodwill. We We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Look upon us, O God, Creator and Ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy, grant that we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Sirach. Resentment and anger, these are foul things, and both are found with the sinner. He who exacts vengeance will experience the vengeance of the Lord, who keeps strict account of sin. Forgive your neighbour the hurt he does you, and when you pray, your sins will be forgiven. If a man nurses anger against another, Can he then demand compassion from the Lord? Showing no pity for a man like himself, can he then plead for his own sins? Remember the last things and stop hating. Remember dissolution and death and live by the commandments. Remember the commandments and do not bear your neighbour ill will. Remember the covenant of the Most High and overlook the offence. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. My soul give thanks to the Lord, all my being bless his holy name. My soul give thanks to the Lord and never forget all his blessings. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. 
It is he who forgives all your guilt, who heals every one of your ills, who redeems your life from the grave, who crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. His wrath will come to an end. He will not be angry forever. He does not treat us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our faults. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. The life and death of each of us has its influence on others. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord, so that, alive or dead, we belong to the Lord. This explains why Christ both died and came to life. It was so that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter went up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often must I forgive my brother if he wrongs me? As often as seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven, I tell you, but seventy-seven times. And so the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who decided to settle his accounts with his servants. When the reckoning began, they brought him a man who owed ten thousand talents, but he had no means of paying. So his master gave orders that he should be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions to meet the debt. At this... The servant threw himself down at his master's feet. Give me time, he said, and I will pay the whole sum. And the servant's master felt so sorry for him that he let him go and cancelled the debt. Now, as this servant went out, he happened to meet a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. And he seized him by the throat and began to throttle him. Pay what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell at his feet and implored him, saying, Give me time and I will pay you. But the other would not agree. On the contrary, he had him thrown into prison till he should pay the debt. His fellow servants were deeply distressed when they saw what had happened. And they went to their master and reported the whole affair to him. Then the master sent for him. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours when you appealed to me. Were you not bound then to have pity on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the torturers till he should pay all his debt. And that is how my heavenly Father will deal with you, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus tells this rather, I mean, let's face it, strange parable 
uh, about a king who has a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Uh, and then, of course, the servant is owed by another servant 100 denarii, um, and the king cancels, this bloke doesn't, and he gets in trouble for not having forgiven the debt that was owed to him after the debt that was forgiven by the king. You kind of go, fair enough, all right, you know. If you receive the gift of forgiveness, you're obliged to give the gift of forgiveness. But the ridiculousness about the parable is found in the numbers. And I think the numbers probably don't mean too much to us. So I thought maybe it's worth kind of digging into it a little bit. So what the heck's a talent? I reckon when we hear the word talent, we often sort of go, oh, okay, um, Jesus is talking to us in a spiritual sense and what he's referring to are, you know, the talents that are given to us, you know, our own gifts that we're able to employ in God's service. But no, a, a talent was actually a unit of currency, and it was a huge unit of currency. A talent was a piece of gold which was worth about 6,000 denarii. Now, what's a denarius? A denarius is a day's wage. A day's wage for a labourer. So do the quick comparison. This bloke owes the king 10,000 talents and he is owed 100 denarii. So let's do a little bit of arithmetic uh, and let's try and translate it into Australian dollars. Now, I looked up in November 2019, the average wage in Australia was $1,658.70 per week. Let's divide that by five and do a little bit of rounding to make it nice and neat. $330 a day, the average daily wage in Australia. Let's call that a denarius. Now, the amount that this man's fellow servant owes him, 100 denarii, it's not an insignificant sum. It's like 33 grand. It's, it's sizable, right? It's a fair chunk of your annual income. You've got to work 100 days in order to get the whole sum together, even before you've managed to pay tax or any expenses. So what does this guy owe the king? All right, brace yourself. So a day's wage, 330 bucks. Times that by 6,000. That's the value of a talent. One talent equals $1,980,000. Times that by 10,000. That's 19 trillion 800 billion Australian dollars. This guy would have to work for a little over 164,000 years straight. No days off, just to meet the debt. The Lord in this parable, he's setting up a pretty, you know, sort of extreme example, right? Compare that sum which he owes the king to the 33 grand which is owed to him. It's just incomparable. Now, that's obviously the thrust behind the parable, to compare the one sum with the other, because the parable is really there to answer Simon Peter's question, you know, how often must I forgive? It's like, well, 
The forgiveness of others is so closely linked to the forgiveness that we've received ourselves. But before we get to that point of comparison, I think it's important to look at this $19 trillion first. You see, there's a kind of valuation that the king is doing here, right? The man owes far beyond his own capacity to pay it back. The debt's worth even more than the sum of his own life, his wife's life, his children's life, and all of his possessions. I mean, obviously. So in raw economic terms, why would the master be willing to forgive this $19 trillion debt and to restore the servant to his good graces? Surely, the conclusion we need to draw is that the master actually values the servant more than the $19 trillion. You know, way back in 1946, Pope Pius XII, even then, said this, Perhaps the greatest sin in the world today is that men have begun to lose the sense of sin. And this was a theme that was definitely taken up by Pope John Paul II in his pontificate. And perhaps, you know, it's it's only gotten worse since then. Um, And I suspect that a lot of people go through life without a sense that, you know what, we have racked up a debt with the king. And that's certainly a problem. Um, And, you know, John Paul II goes into reasons why we've lost this sense of sin. But I think the flip side of the coin is a problem too. Perhaps less common than the loss of the sense of sin, but there's also another issue. It's not the idea that I don't have a debt before God, but the idea that my debt before God is so great that it can't be forgiven. So what's the upshot? I'm not worth $19 trillion, and I can't be forgiven. You know, this crops up particularly when we know that the effect of our sin has weighed gravely upon the life of another and that there's nothing that I can do to fix it or to make it better. And that can weigh on our consciences sometimes so heavily that not even $19 trillion begins to describe the debt that we feel. And I know that there are some who really carry this around. Now, I've been weighing up in my mind whether or not I'd actually say this, but you know what, I think it gets said so infrequently that it really doesn't do anyone any favours. But the sin that so many people carry around, buried, as the thing that they think can never be forgiven, is abortion. Men who've pressured women or neglected or abandoned them, and women who've done perhaps the thing that they regret the most in their life. Priests will tell you that it often doesn't come up for confession until years and years after, because they've been carrying it for years and years, believing that the debt's too big. Their life is worth too little. And God is too small. And that turns into an impenetrable wall of despair. So how to break through 
You know, if there's a sin that's on our conscience that we drag around with us, uh, believing that the pain that it still causes us is, you know, well-deserved, you know, how do we how do we break through that wall of despair and sorrow? Well, I could try and convince you that the debt's not that big. But you won't believe me. Because even Jesus says it's $19 trillion. I could try and convince you that you're actually worth more to God. But you know what? You won't believe me. I'm sure you'll happily acknowledge that everyone else is worth more to God. But I suspect whatever it is in your past makes you think that you're actually the exception to the rule. No, I think the point where light can penetrate is the question about who God is. Why do you keep putting limits on him? Why do you imagine that he's so small, so weak, that you've invented the weight that God is not strong enough to lift. So I'd say, try him. Confess what's left unconfessed and put into God's hands all of the terrible consequences that we can't fix ourselves. And then see what he says to your heart. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.